It has happened. It has. We've finally seen it. It took me a long time to watch this movie just because it was in the middle of finals. Yeah. But then, on top of that, I two years ago, I saw The Force Awakens in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talked about previously, uh, I've never done Christmas at home, but I did get a chance to go to Houston to see my family right before Christmas two years ago. And at that time, Force Awakens came out, and my brothers and I went to go see it together. So this year, I was like a month before uh, Last Jedi came out, and I was like, hey guys, do you want to watch it again this year? Because I'm going to be home for Christmas. Because if not, I'm going to buy a ticket. <laughs> and so I think we've made it into kind of a family tradition from here on out, since there's going to be apparently an infinite number of Star Wars movies. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll talk we're going to watch them all together. Uh, I saw it with my brothers as well. Oh, good. Yeah, so I had a chance to watch it with them in Houston about a week after uh, the movie came out. Yeah, I think I watched it like two or three days before you did. Uh, and, you know, wait, waiting to watch it after opening weekend was very frustrating. Really? Well, just because I I see great value in watching it during uh, opening weekend just uh-huh. because it's like just to avoid, just to avoid any problems of yeah. spoilers, you know? You know, I've... It's been really fascinating. I've been noticing more and more recently, and I kind of suspect, well, I should say when I really started to notice this whole culture of avoiding spoilers really sort of took off with um, Game of Thrones. Hmm. You know, before that, people, you know, tried to avoid spoilers and they were, you know, whatever. But really with that, it, it was sort of understood that you don't talk about it after the show airs. Because because there's a lot of surprises yeah, and twists yeah. that people were ruining yep and so that's sort of taken off and really become part of a lot of these movies to where to the extent you know that people are so you know you're a great example of this are so adamant about no spoilers and even if you see mm-hmm. it on facebook or on, on reddit or whatever it'll get downvoted into oblivion so there's this really interesting culture that's developed on the internet of protecting people from spoilers which is kind of cool. Sure, sure. So I haven't even really, uh, I didn't really have much of a difficulty avoiding spoilers. I mean, there are a few trailers here and there, but. Right, right. And, you know, the, so this time around, I don't think was as much vindica- uh, vindication of my, like, dis- like hate for trailers as Thor was. With Thor, there were, there were clear moments in the trailers where I was like, great, now I know that, and that's not going to be a surprise. Yeah. With this one, there wasn't as many, because yeah. uh, I was... I was forced to watch the trailer uh, for Star Wars Last Jedi um, when I went to go see Justice League. Yeah, I was really surprised. What I was expecting to be spoilers were not. Right, and that was good, and that was good. And I think that that's, that's a healthy middle ground. I still prefer to stay away from trailers, and I tried my best to stay away from all the trailers for uh, The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. But in the end, it didn't, it didn't affect my viewing of it as much as I feared. It would, because some movies it really does. And I think yeah. maybe Marvel is the biggest culprit for this. Oh, God. Yeah, I watched the Infinity War trailer during Last Jedi. That was the entire movie. And they gave away the whole they, movie? They gave it away, yeah. The whole thing. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, so, you you know this, but I I do something crazy, um, and I... Really? You? And I did it... I, yeah, well. Uh, and I did it this time around, watching Last Jedi as well, which I got to the theater... And people made fun of me for it again, but I got to the theater and I, I had my sister-in-law text me whenever uh, whenever the trailers were over uh, so that I could go into the theater. <laughs> and 
Because in my defense, in my defense, I do think that it's a little bit frustrating that I have to sit here and be told what to watch. Yeah. When I don't want, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm paying yep. money to go see Star Wars. I'm not paying money to go be watching anything about the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So okay. So so speaking a little bit more about spoilers for a second, I did my very best to avoid conversations, even to the point of being kind of a jerk, because people who did see it in Toronto were wanting to talk about it, and I would mm-hmm. often. Like, it happened once where I was, <laughs> and I feel kind of bad about this. I was in a car with two of my friends, and they had just seen the movie <laughs> the night before. And uh-huh. they, well, no, one of them saw it, sorry. And the other one wanted to ask him how it was. And before he even had a chance to respond, I shut down the conversation. I was like, <laughs> nope. Yeah, well, just because I can't get out of this conversation. You know, yeah. I don't want to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, anyway, trapped. There was one conversation that I couldn't avoid. And that was at my brother's house. One of his friends had seen the movie and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be rude. And so I, I listened to what he had to say. And he, <laughs> he told me his rating of the movie. He said, definitely give this movie a C, C minus. Mm-hmm. And he then said, and maybe this is what, what he said afterwards, maybe is sort of a, a way of maybe dismissing his opinion because he said, yeah, I put it in my top three worst Star Wars movies. He said, my uh, my top three are The Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> <laughs> and and The Last Jedi. And as soon as he said that, I was like... Wow. He knows nothing. I, yeah, I don't know if I can trust your opinion here, because Empire is, like, universally known <laughs> to be the best of... Yeah. Right? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, to yeah, dislike yeah. Empire is to... Anyway... So I went into the movie that afternoon after hearing that and thinking to myself, okay, well, at least his point of view is skewed by his not liking Empire. Yeah. And, also, and also on top of that, his his opinion of Last Jedi was a negative review, which if I'm going to get any reviews before the movie, I'd rather get negative reviews because yeah. that helps to lower my expectations. <laughs> yeah, which can be a good thing. Before we talk about the movie itself, I was I thought it might be fun to sort of kind of talk about the state of Star Wars and how it's kind of a you know our sort of our experiences, what we're bringing to this movie. You know what I mean? Okay. Like having been kids when the prequels came out, and now sort of this new vision of Star Wars as an ongoing saga. Right. Without end. Yeah. What were you bringing to the Last Jedi? Um, okay, so my history of Star Wars is, with Star Wars is um, I'm the youngest of three, so maybe my older brothers grew up with the original trilogy, but I did not. Um, I remember seeing parts of it and being familiar with it existing, but not nearly being as obsessed with it as some of my friends are. So for my first contact with Star Wars was the prequels, really. And to be honest, I, when I saw them, I really enjoyed them because... I saw them as a kid, and yeah. I think that as a kid, they are actually really great movies. Yeah. They're very enjoyable, very colorful, you know, very fantastic. They're cartoons, effectively. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in that sense, I think that they're very successful, and I, I do say with confidence that I did enjoy them as a kid. Now, I have seen some of them as an adult and do not enjoy them at all. Yeah. You know, much like watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Legend of the Ooze, you know, number two, with, you know, Super Shredder at the end. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But the, the second Ninja Turtles movie, uh, I saw that as an adult recently. It's, it's terrible. 
Oh, it's bad. Is that the one with vanilla ice? Yeah. And that should give it away. <laughs> yeah, no, there you go. So uh, so I'm bringing to The Last Jedi, having not grown up with a huge affection for the original trilogy, mm-hmm. watching the prequels and enjoying them, later feeling kind of obligated to become a nerd about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then getting into the original trilogy, kind of, I think as a Jesuit is the first time I watched mm. the original trilogy as an adult. And then there's a lot of great stuff on YouTube of like how the prequels should have gone. Uh, yeah. I've become a big fan of those. And then you know, Force Awakens. I similar to the prequels, I really loved it in theaters. I thought it was a lot of fun. But then upon a lot of reflection, I became very critical of it more from a storytelling point of view. Yeah. I I didn't enjoy the way that the story was told, and I didn't understand what they were doing in this movie. But then I saw Rogue One, and Rogue One quickly became my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Yeah. It was a fresh story that that paid its due to the original trilogy and had a lot of the same the same imagery and the same way of shooting it and everything, but also it was so well-crafted and ended so beautifully in seamless transition to A New Hope. And I really thought that, like, there was a clear theme in that movie. It was a theme of hope. They said it over and over and over again. Yeah. I appreciated yeah. that kind of simple, the one theme. But then, over, like, it was a beautiful movie, too. Beautifully shot. But over everything else, I love it when a movie is able to give me heroes that sacrifice their lives for the good. Yeah, that's something really incredible about that movie. Everyone dies. <laughs> yes. And that was awesome. And I really That was actually like, spoiled for me. Were you there? Before I went to see it, it was in Dallas. I don't know. And one of our brothers said, yeah, it's weird that they all died. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you just said that right before I go to see the movie. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So for me, that was that was a good thing about Rogue One that I really, really appreciated. And I took with me coming into The Last Jedi where I had kind of the disappointment looming in my mind from Force Awakens and yeah. a lot of the, the rumors about what The Last Jedi was going to be about and, you know, some mm-hmm. of the posters... Yeah. Alluding to, you know, light and dark kind of mingling into gray. Yeah. Maybe Luke becoming, you know, a, 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 you know, a Darth, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, um, becoming a Sith of some kind. So I was bringing all that into The Last Jedi. Yeah. What about you? What's your, was uh, what's your backstory? Pretty much the same. Some of my very close family friends growing up were huge Star Wars uh, nerds. They watched the movies all the time. I didn't really. I had seen them. I remember the Ewoks as a child, but that's about it. And if I'm honest, Star Wars is one of my least favorite sort of fantasy franchises. Okay. I would I would say I'm a much bigger Star Trek and even Stargate fan than I am Star Wars. Okay. A sort of a sort of sci-fi. Yeah. But that being said, I really enjoy Star Wars. Um, and kind of like you said. I really have been enjoying this. Some of these theories about the prequels, like, had only they shifted focus to Obi Wan, the movies would have been so much better. That kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. You and I have talked about The Force Awakens and Rogue One, um, so we have pretty much the same viewpoints on that. I, I think Rogue One was probably one of the best Star Wars movie, Star Wars movies that they've made. For that very reason, that it was a it was a real story. It gave us something, something real, something some hope. Um, so you know, I I enjoy it. I went into it. I had seen the spoiler, uh, not the spoiler, the trailer. For what? For Last Jedi. For the Last Jedi, 
and noticing, you know, Luke talking about fear and all that stuff, which is kind of weird. But Yeah, and it made me concerned, right, yeah, what yeah. they were going to do with that, yeah. All that being said, how do you want to approach this movie? What did you want to give me some... Yeah, so, so I let's... think one of the things that we want to do, like, we want to talk about our point of view, but then also we've done some research into yeah. most people's response to the movie, and maybe we can comment on that too. Yeah, do a little reflection. So this is more of a reflection and less of a reaction uh, to the yeah. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think even even though it's more of a reflection, we should kind of hold our own opinion what we thought of the movie. Okay. Like a like a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of a thing until the end. Um, okay. So let's just. I think it might be a good idea to sort of talk about talk about the movie itself, like some of the things that we liked, some of the things that we didn't like about it, and then go into to more of the the ideas behind the actions and things. How's that sound? Yeah. Uh, you want to take it, what, like chronologically through the story or? We can, if you want. Just, I think whatever really stood out to you might be the best way to do it. I don't know if it's possible to talk about it without giving you my thumbs up, thumbs down first. Really? I feel like, <laughs> I kind of feel like it'll become very <laughs> obvious very quickly, like where I stand on this. <laughs> so I kind of feel like it's going to be obvious <laughs> to you whether or not I liked it or not. Huh. But I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. Okay. So right off the bat, mm-hmm. <laughs> I you hated it from the moment you started. <laughs> um, so right off the bat, I okay. Well, maybe going before the bat even was swung. You know, the pitch, the first pitch with the opening crawl. There was great nostalgia there, and I really mm-hmm. did let myself feel the nostalgia uh, with the opening opening note to the Star Wars anthem. Yeah. I really, I really appreciated that. Really enjoyed that. I thought the crawl was didn't really say anything. It didn't really, like I remember some of the crawls in other movies yeah. gave like in between plot that we had missed. This one didn't really. So I thought that was okay. I, I appreciated the the continuity with the the crawl and and the music. That was great. I will say right off the bat, the very opening scene, the 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 battle was good. Really well done. Really well orchestrated. My theater was way too loud. This was the loudest movie I have ever seen in my really? life. It Which was battle so was this? loud. I, say that again? Which battle was this? The battle at the beginning where they're going to try and build, uh, bomb the destroyer. Um, oh, so they right. have all yeah, these yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, con- containers with the bombs. Yep. Um, it was so, so loud. I had to watch <laughs> the, pretty much the entire movie with my, with my fingers in my ear. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very loud. And the beginning was that way. Uh, I will say that the opening fight did two things, one of which gave me pause and one of which I really enjoyed. The one that gave me pause was Poe, the pilot, mm-hmm. um, in the X-Wing. He He's being cast as this sort of Han Solo, reincarnated, kind of like hotshot kind of guy, great pilot. And I got really worried when he took his earbud out and stopped listening to Leia <laughs> and just sort of went rogue. And decided to take matters into his own hands. Yeah. And I was worried about that because, and we it pans out later in the movie as well, where there's mutiny involved. Mm-hmm. That I I was worried that they were going to make a hero out of someone who was disobedient. Yeah. So right off the bat, I had that as a question in my mind, and I put that in my back pocket because later there were more clear, evident moments where that came to a head. The good the good part of the opening scene that I really enjoyed it reminded me of Rogue One a lot where Sacrifice. you had characters who really allowed themselves to, to die for the cause. Yeah. And I thought that was really well done. 
Well, that became one of the big criticisms for the character really? for Poe. How could he have led his team to that? Like that's that was why he was demoted. Yeah, because he that's was because he was reckless with his people. And that was Leia's point, right? Leia said that, and I think that actually is a really good choice for the script. Is that that they don't let him get away with that? Yeah. Uh, which I really appreciated, but I also really appreciated seeing Rose's sister, you know, struggle to make a sacrifice to to die for the rebellion. I thought that yeah. was really yep. well done and very reminiscent of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What are some of your thoughts? I agree. I thought the I thought it was fun. You know, that opening. I guess all you needed was one, and they had like three or four of them out there waiting to be blown mm-hmm. up. Um, mm-hmm. That was sort of a theme throughout the movie, blowing up destroyers. Mm-hmm. Sort of this big, big, larger-than-life ship. I mean, and I can understand, as a character, I can understand Poe wanting to, you know, take that out at all costs because that's a big hit to the to the Empire. The first order. order. It's the first order. Um, yeah. But yeah, you shouldn't be reckless with your people. Definitely. Yeah, and that was cool. I do think that like the theme of sacrifice carried on through the rest of the movie, and I appreciated that. I thought that was something that I looked forward to seeing in Last Jedi that I didn't see really in The Force Awakens mm-hmm. that was very reminiscent of Rogue One, right? So yeah. you had Rose's sister sacrifice herself. Later, you had the the commander lady that took over for Leia mm-hmm. sacrificing herself for the uh, for the rebellion uh, with her ship. You know, that part where she, she crashed it into the destroyer. Mm-hmm. There was that. And then the moment at the end of the movie, of course, you know, with Luke Skywalker... Yep. There's a certain level of sacrifice there. I think all three of those, there might have been others, but all three of those were very clear indications of sacrifice that made it okay to die for something greater than yourself. And I think that that's something that's lost on so many movies. Yeah, we get the sense that, you know, and especially I was talking with some people about, about Luke's sacrifice or even the death of Snoke. Like, it seems like a throwaway that this incredibly powerful person can just now he's done because I think we have this idea that you know, they're going to be the only one they've got to be the strong one to take over or the strong one to lead us out and that was kind of the struggle with with Ray in the movie was Luke was the only one that could save the rebellion mm-hmm. and so for and so we're, we're very hesitant to, to those people sacrificing themselves because if they're not going to do it then who is and well that's right kind of, that's kind right. of the point yeah and actually you bring up something that's very interesting with Snoke is that this is a surprise to me that Force Awakens set it up to where I assumed that the whole trilogy would culminate in Luke Skywalker and Snoke. Like I thought, here's your big bad and here's your and here's your big good. In some in some sort of way, at least with Snoke being sort of the big bad. And so I was really surprised in this movie when both of those characters didn't survive. Yeah, I was actually expecting Snoke the way they were using him in this movie. I was expecting him to be sort of like a puppet figure. Like okay. he wasn't he wasn't the real bad guy. There was somebody else behind him. And so when there wasn't, I, that's what I was. I wasn't surprised that he died, but I was surprised that there wasn't anybody behind him. Was that disappointing to you or was that something that you just thought was curious or? I think curio- curiosity more than anything. I don't think it disappointed me per se because I think that's I think they made really good decisions with Kylo Ren and his character. It's too simplistic to have him struggle with the light and the dark and then to have him kill to kill the emperor and then to be converted you know to have sort of a darth vader moment and so okay i'm, I'm yeah. glad that, that they didn't go that way but also the fact that they're sort of in my opinion sowing the seeds of him 
being even darker than Darth Vader. Wow. Yeah. I do think that... I agree with you, man. I think that the way that they did his character in this movie vindicated him from Force Awakens. Yeah. Which which actually was one of the things that I loved about this movie is that they put into the mouth of Snoke some of my biggest critiques of Force Awakens. And <laughs> so as yeah. to kind of like be, become self-aware of the, yeah. the problems with Force Awakens. You let an untrained girl beat you. Exactly. Like, which is what we were all saying, you know, and <laughs> yeah. that was cool to hear. And then also Snoke was making fun of his helmet, um, <laughs> which... Which I loved because that's one thing I noticed in Force Awakens that really bothered me is that he had this really awesome helmet that he ends up taking off halfway through the movie and you see that he's just this kid. And I felt like Force Awakens struggled because it had the reverse of normal storytelling, which is where you have an innocent kid become a terrible person. You had a terrible person become an innocent kid. And, Mm. And Snoke called him on that. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really clever storytelling to help vindicate Force Awakens. Yeah, I like that too. That's a good point. Sort of along the lines of Rey being this Jedi Master, this is a whole big conversation that I was having a few nights ago. I just don't buy it. And I really, I'm really resisting it. The fact that we don't need Masters anymore. All that you need is... Well, I think they're really trying to push this whole sort of yin-yang thing where the light can't exist without the dark. And when one gets stronger, so does the other. Um... I don't remember that from the original trilogy, where because Darth Vader was strong, Luke got strong. You know, Luke got strong because he trained a lot, and he was beat up by Yoda, and and from his right. training with the Resistance. Whereas Rey is strong because Kylo is strong? Question mark. Where, where does the movie say that? Well, Force Awakens does that explicitly with her with their lightsaber battle, and also the fact that Luke didn't really train her to do anything. To use the force to do anything, he he trained he gave her those lessons to recognize that the force is not midichlorians, uh-huh. which was awesome. Where is her training? Books, she, so she can she is her own master. Okay, I don't know how I feel about that. So like you're, are you feeling like there's like a privatization here yes. of like? I think it's going back to that conversation we had about Thor. The power is already within him. It is not conferred. It is not bestowed. Um, he doesn't have to really. He just has to discover that he he has always been capable of this, separate separate from everybody else. Okay, so as a parenthesis, I was really surprised that Yoda was in this movie. I I had no idea he was going to be in it, and I was really pleased to see him in this movie. And I really loved on a like production level that they brought back the puppet Yoda and not yeah. the, the prequel the prequel Yoda. Yep. I thought that was awesome, and I think the things that he said were really awesome. But he did say something along the lines of what you're saying about Thor. He did say, there's nothing in those books that's not already in Rey. Yeah. Now, you could take that as a privatization of truth or something. Or you could say that, like, you know, maybe I don't know how true this is, but, like, could you say that there's nothing in the scriptures that's not already in you? Yes. Revelation. Well, so, like, I guess what I mean by that is not that you can come to the same conclusions on your own, but there's something about the Spirit of God that also is in you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? No, you, that is true. That is true. The same the same Spirit that inspired the Scriptures is the Spirit that inspires you, right? Yes. The, the Spirit of yeah. God is in you, too. But I'm not the Spirit of God. No, and the, but the Spirit of God is inspiring the Scriptures, and the Spirit of God is inspiring you. So when Yoda says there's nothing in those books that's not already in her— I'm not sure he means it in the terms of she already knows everything that's in those books, but that she is 
according to the tradition and the spirit of the Jedi. She yeah. is a Jedi. Otherwise, she would have she would have had no need to take the books if she already knew yeah. everything that was in them. Yeah. So here's something that I'm wondering along the lines of the Jedi. Um, I thought this movie was really fascinating because the whole Jedi subplot I thought was, well, a subplot um, and kind of a weak one. The real movie was about Poe and Finn. And so I'm wondering mm. if there if there's a conscious decision there to say, well, this isn't really a Jedi story because, well, because it's not and because that's not where it's not where the people are you know they don't need luke to come in and save the day they need the people to realize that they are strong um uh no because even see this is one of the things that i really loved about what they did with luke is that one of the concerns about the title of the movie was that they weren't sure if it meant that it was going to be the like the dissolving of the jedi order when people saw the last jedi and that was one of the concerns right is that the Jedi Order might be dissolved or might might give way to the Grey or something. Yeah. But when Luke says to Kylo Ren that he will not be the last Jedi, to me that was a resounding affirmation that the Jedi will continue. In the next scene, you see you see Rey lifting all of these rocks. So yeah. it's like it's his clear affirmation that it's not just the people, but it's the Jedi with the people, right? That they're it's both and that the Jedi will not die with him. And that conversion in Luke is incredible. Like yeah. Luke wanted to, Luke is the one that wanted to clutch to the to destroy the Jedi and to not have them exist anymore. Yeah, you know because he couldn't see beyond his own failures. Right. He felt like the failures of his own ego were the failures of the religion of the Jedi. And I think his conversion moment is one where he recognizes that it's not his to clutch to. Right. He yeah. didn't. He didn't need to clutch to divinity. Right. He needed to divest himself of it so as to allow it to become a gift to a new generation of Jedi. And yeah. I think that was that was part of the lesson there. Like, I don't think that the main characters were, were Poe and Finn. I think that there really wasn't a main character in this movie. That the, the point of this movie, I think, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she helped me see this clearly, that the theme of the movie is failure. Yeah. Is everyone in the movie is a failure. Yeah. And the question is, what do you do, what do, you do with your failure? Yeah, I like that. And Luke is on this island wrestling with the fact that he failed his sister because he turned his nephew to the dark side or something. Mm-hmm. And he can't deal with his failure, so he goes into exile. Just like Yoda did at the Revenge of the Sith after that movie. He went into exile. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I think that Luke putting the gloves back on and getting involved in the fight is his way of saying, my failure is not something to be... Uh, yeah to lead to my destruction. Like I can still find redemption. Yeah. Interesting. My take of the movie was that it not so much. I, I totally see and agree with that. It's about failure, but I was really recognizing the incredible pride of all of the characters and how that was mm. leading them to their failure. So the greatest example is, is uh, Snoke seeing exactly what Kylo Ren is doing just to the wrong lightsaber. Like he's so sure. Hmm. And yet he's so far. You know, and that leads to his death. Uh, yeah. He's, bl- he's yeah. blinded by, really, he's bl- he's blinded by the truth of what's happening. Uh, he can't see that mm. it's, the, it's the lightsaber to his side rather than the one in Kylo Ren's hand. Mm. But similar with the others, you know, um, Luke is another obvious example of his, he can't get beyond his own pride until that very mm. last moment. Which is why I really liked these characters of Poe and Finn. You know, that last speeder scene, mm. Poe breaks off and goes back, which he never would have done at the beginning of the movie. And Finn keeps going forward, which also he would never have done at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Clarify that for me for a second. So 
Finn keeps moving forward. How? What did, what did you see? Physically, in that speeder. He keeps going forward and he's going to crash into the into Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas at, the, whereas at the beginning of the movie, he was retreating. Yeah. And then Finn uh, Poe is retreating, where at the beginning of the movie, he wanted to fight, go into yeah. the... Oh, yeah, that's a really cool reversal. So you see that change in them? Yeah, there's a lot of conversions happening when they can move beyond themselves, which is exactly what Kylo Ren doesn't do, which is why I yeah. think... That was such a powerful move for him when they had just slaughtered all of those red guys and they were about to shake hands, joining each other. And Kylo was like, yeah, we can take over the world now. So like, ooh, yeah, actually, no, we're not going to do that. Right, right. I was I was really heartbroken in that scene because I did, as simplistic as it would have been, I really did want him to convert in that moment. Yeah, we always want conversion. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost like even, I think kind of as you said earlier, it was sort of a, a really brilliant way to do it because he's still not fully there. Like, he's still very much baited and tempted by the dark side. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think... So we've got these archetypes. You know, and literature is all about exploring, you know, the good versus the evil. But people keep wanting to redeem the evil in a way that just... Not justifies it, but... And it's actually a really good sentiment, you know, wanting to want to see the good and the bad guy to sort of humanize it a little bit. But I think Mm -hmm. there's really something powerful in saying there is evil in the world and it wants to destroy you, hmm. you know, and like not leaving it to metaphor. Right. So I think, I think characters like the emperor are perfect for this. It's like, you're not going to convert him. You mean Snoke? And you're not going to justify anything that he does. The emperor and Snoke, I guess. Oh, okay. And sort of Kylo taking up that is really sort of personifying that evil in the world and that hmm. it, there are elements of good in it because evil doesn't exist on its own. Hmm. Yeah. And it is, it should be, evil should be heartbreaking. And it was heartbreaking to see because you see something so close to goodness fall so far away. Yep. And that breaks your heart, you know, which is why it was also heartbreaking to see Luke be such a curmudgeon because he was the best of us. Yep. You know, this was, this was the best part of Revenge of the Sith was when, uh, Obi-Wan says, you know, you were, you were the, like, you were were my brother, you were the chosen one and you fell so far away. This was also, uh, oh, this was also at the end of The Dark Knight, you know, uh, Harvey Dent. You were the best of all of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you, and, you, and you fell away. It's like the people who are the closest to the good when they fall, yeah. it's so painful to watch. Um, you know, I read some commentary on, on Reddit yesterday uh, preparing for this conversation. And one of the things that someone pointed out that was really good, I was, I was happy to read it because it helped change my mind a little bit. They were talking about how really cool it is that from The Force Awakens on, we're not given a like a steady evil personification uh, in Kylo Ren. We're given someone who has to grow into his acceptance of the dark side. Yeah. Like we're seeing him also quote unquote grow um, alongside Ray. And it's, it's a sort of a dynamic process for both our hero and our villain, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being, you know, we start off with Darth Vader being evil and the empire and the emperor being evil. Yeah. Well, we saw that with Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and I just appreciate it because I didn't I didn't like the Force Awak- the Force Awakens in that sense because I felt like they should have just had a clear evil person. But I think that this movie helped vindicate that because he's going through his journey towards the dark side really really clearly, you know. Yeah. So that that was awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, so here here are a few. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody and there were some some objections that I heard to the movie or some criticisms mm-hmm. that I would like to respond to. Yeah. And as I was I was reading on Reddit, the same three objections or criticisms were sort of prevalent on the subreddit. And it made me think very clearly that I think most people 
get lost in the weeds a little bit and don't zoom out and see what the purpose of the movie was. The three things that people pointed out often, one was that it didn't seem like there was like sufficient epic uh, lightsaber battles. <laughs> okay. Especially between Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker. It's like, oh, how disappointing is that fight? Yeah. The second one was Leia using the Force mm-hmm. and doing the Mary Poppins thing. <laughs> and then the third one was Snoke not having a backstory. Yeah. And those are the only three real criticisms I've heard about the movie. Really? And I have found that very surprising because it's like, I think all three of them are easily responded to. Like when I was talking to this person, I just said, hey, like, just remember, think back to A New Hope. Were there any lightsaber battles in A New Hope that were epic? Yeah. No. Like this is not this is not part of the Star Wars mythos to have epic lightsaber battles. It's part of the prequels. Exactly. And then the second point about uh, Snoke's backstory, I just pointed out to him. I was like, in the original trilogy, we don't know anything about the Emperor. The Emperor is just taken to be evil, and that's all you need to know. Yeah. And the third point about Leia, I was like, I'll grant that it was a little unprecedented that she would use the Force in that way, yeah. surviving in outer space. But I was totally willing to grant it for two reasons. One, it was kind of about time that we acknowledge that she is force sensitive uh in a very powerful way as a skywalker but then also the fact that it's carrie fisher i was glad to see her survive to the end of the movie you know just just for this just for the sake of deference to her you know as having been an, an original cast member who's now dead yeah that's interesting because i thought it was a perfect time for them to kill her off for that very reason i thought the same thing so i had the same opinion but then someone changed my mind about it because they said that if they did find a way to kill her off. They would have lost the tender moments at the end of the movie between her and Luke. Hmm. And and those were so important. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kylo Attacking? Ren was there about to kill his own mother, and he hesitated. Uh-huh. I think, right. I, I don't know, I think there's something, that we lo- I think we lost something in that interaction with Kylo Where... Ren and his mother. Like, he killed his father in, in The Force Awakens. He hesitated there, and somebody else took the shot with his mother. So now his parents are dead, and he's directly responsible for both of them. Hmm. And now he's not. Well, I don't think he knows that his mom is still alive. Maybe, I don't know. I guess I was just thinking about it more in terms of, like, I was I was surprised when I saw it that she stayed alive precisely because I, I agreed with you in terms of like this would be a good way to end her story arc. But by the end of the movie, I was grateful just because like to pay deference to the actress with all the scenes that she had shot through the rest of the movie uh, now that she is dead. But also having those moments with, you know, the new generation of leaders, like her reconciliation with Poe, her reconciliation with Ray and her, her yeah. conversation with Luke. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. I just think... Yeah, yeah. but I think there might have been a, an opportunity there for him to kill off his mother. Or for him to regret killing his mother because... Or, you know, there's all sorts of things that could have happened there. I think um, one other objection or critique... Uh, I was reading Bishop Barron's article uh, last night, his review of the movie, and frankly, I didn't... I wasn't convinced. Yeah, it was too much of a feminist agenda. Yeah, that's right. Um, so you had Leia, Ray, the woman from Jurassic Park. That's what um, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> as sort of, oh, uh, Rose as these, as sort of the heroic figures. And all of the men right. were bumbling idiots uh, who didn't, who couldn't make their way out of a, of a paper bag. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I kind of see where he's going with that. And I kind of agree, you know, like the moment with Leia and Ray 
holding hands, this is all we need. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I know what you mean by that, but it's a little heavy handed. So I agree with him on that, Mm. on that aspect. Um, But I think for my, what I was talking about with that moment on the speeders with Poe and Finn, I think that's a great moment for them. And they Mm -hmm. really come into their own there. Now, sure. Finn was saved by Rose, you know, it was her sacrifice rather than his. Um, So, okay. I can, again, I can kind of see that, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm not entirely convinced either. Right. I was a little disappointed with his review just because it didn't really seem to give the movie a chance to be anything other than a disappointment. Yeah. He didn't really say anything good about it. The one, the one, so I, the one aspect of his review that I did agree with though is, I, and I was aware of this when I was watching Rogue One and this one, was the diversity casting is a little heavy handed. You know, there's not a strong, good white male figure in either movie. Yeah. And I think that that's a little bit unfortunate because it's airing a little too far in the extreme of, well, you know, it's been that way for so long. We need to diversity cast it almost to the exclusion of the white male, which I don't think is fair. And I think that's a little heavy handed in both Rogue One and this one. But I don't think that the movie had a feminist ideology uh, because Luke went through a major conversion. Poe went through a conversion. Finn went through a conversion. I don't know. I just think that there's... Yeah. There's clearly good going on with the male characters, too. I will say I really did not like the interaction between Poe and the Jurassic Park lady. What's her name? Commander? I don't know. Vice Admiral? Something or other. Um, I just thought she she wasn't really a very good leader. And she wasn't Mm -hmm. really... Like, she was trying to teach him a lesson. Okay, but that's still... I don't think she did a very good job of that. Yeah, she was reckless. She was reckless, and she didn't get any flack for it. And she should have. Uh, yeah. because she wasn't giving any clear instructions on what to do. So Phasma is a female character who's a villain. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, it's not all just evil men. There's also women on the on the uh, destroyers, right? Like there's there's not just a clear sense of only um, the, the, the women are good. Yeah, I mean, Phasma's really the only one. Uh, well, there's other women who are working working on the ship. That is just to say, though, that I, I think there is something there, perhaps, but I don't I don't think that it's as overt as it's made out to be. Yeah, 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 I agree. What did you think about, and do you think it's true, about Ray's parents? Oh, um, I don't think it's true. And I I like how they keep dangling that in front of us. Yeah. And then they put it in the voice of the, vill- of the villain to lie to her. Yeah. About it. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. And, and sort of reminiscent of the Garden of Eden a little bit. Like, there's there's a lie happening here mm-hmm. about who you are. Yeah. But, I mean, to bring it back to the, to, the, to the Garden of Eden, the serpent didn't just flat out lie to them. It was a half-truth. So I'm wondering what that half-truth mm. might be, if there is one. Mm. What did uh, Kylo say? Uh, just, I don't remember exactly. It was like, uh, they're nobody. You know, they're, they were two, like, drunkards who left her on that planet and then mm. died shortly after. Right. No, yeah, I don't. I don't think that they're gonna throw away that question that easily. They they have to give something of her backstory in the next movie, just because we still have no idea why she is so incredibly force sensitive. Yeah, but does she have to be? Like, does she have to be royal stock in order to be a powerful character? Uh, no, because Anakin wasn't. So they could just be nobody. Yeah, and I think that's okay. I I want her to be a Skywalker, but I guess she doesn't have to be, right? I mean, she could very easily yeah. just be another Anakin. Yeah, I would almost prefer that she's not, like, let that story die. And this kind of gets back to something else that I wanted to talk about with creativity. If we're just drawing this out for the sake of lineage, well, okay, I guess that's okay. But 
I don't find that to be very interesting. And so you'd rather the, her not be a Skywalker. Yeah, what? Yeah, let's do something new. And that's kind of the big yeah. frustration that I've had with these, with these whole, with both. What is it, seven and eight? Huh? Is that we had a huge amount of time between? Um, well, I guess not all that big. Well, yeah, no, between six and seven, a huge amount of time. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking at anything, we're now back into the same storyline with the same characters, doing the same thing, struggling with the same things. With basically the same plot, you know, like yeah. Seven was for. Yeah, there's been hardly any growth and development, and the stuff that we have, that we do know, that has grown and developed, we don't see any of it, because we're just You're fighting. talking on, on a... On a bigger level, you're, we're, you're just, like we're just on, back yeah, to the same yeah. plot of Empire versus Rebellion. Right, so on a macro level, the story isn't the same. Um, yeah. But on a, on a micro level, we have new characters with new opportunities for... Uh, heroism and yeah. villainy and but it's ultimately and conversion. But it's ultimately the same character doing the same thing. Right, and the macro story has been the same for eight episodes. Yes. Yeah. Which no, I, and that's fair. That's I really fair. struggle with that. Like, I want right. I want something new and I want something interesting. Tell a good story. You know, I've really been frustrated right. recently with movies. I'm just really tired of books being made into movies because mm-hmm. there's almost no creativity there. And that's one of the things that right. I really enjoyed about the Star Wars movies was that they weren't books made into movies. They were movies, and then they made a lot of books about them. And then they said, which I initially really did not like, they said all of those books that we wrote about, you know, the backstories in the Old Republic, mostly because I really like the Old Republic, no longer is canon. And we're just going to stick with what the movies say. And this, like, right. second wave of books, what they will say, that's mm-hmm. the story. And I was like, at first I really didn't like that because they just dropped their entire history. But... I was coming to a better understanding and realization that, well, let's keep it in this media. Let's keep it in this form because that's where the story's being told. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I just find there's too much of a... They're trying to make these two forms the same, and they're not the same. The two forms meaning the, the written medium and the movie medium? Yeah. Like the Marvel movies, they're basically episodes or, you know... Sh- short novels that you would get once or twice a year mm-hmm. or weekly episodes of a TV show. It's like, let it be, right. if you want to do this whole saga, they need to be more self-contained because that's how movies work. Yeah, yes, yes. I agree with that 100%. Especially if you're going to put so much time in between movies, they have to be self-contained. It, like, yeah. There's a lot of burden on the episode, right? I and mean, it has to be self-contained and also contribute to a bigger arc. Yeah, yeah. I just found, I found the gap between six and seven to be too great. For the same story mm-hmm. and the same bad guys in black and white and the same rebellion to be fighting the same thing. Right. This is why I didn't end up liking The Force Awakens very much. Because it was A New Hope and it was the same basic plot of the movies thus far. And this one this one does continue the plot in some, some way. Although I think it's adding twists to it that is a little bit refreshing, though the macro story is still basically the same. Right, it's yeah. rebellion and backed up into the corner, and the big empire who is trying to conquer the entire galaxy. Um, yeah. At the very least, they're doing something nuanced with the villain and something nuanced with the hero. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm okay with it. But I agree with you that there's just no, there's very little creativity on the macro scale. Right, the fact that in the Marvel universe they effectively keep, you know, delaying the Infinity story because they realize like they've kind of backed themselves into a corner here where they, they're only allowing themselves to tell this one story. It's like they seem to burn the entire universe down and then <laughs> never try to do this again. Like, it's yeah. unprecedented to do these sort of macro stories over the course of movie arcs, but it's the wrong genre, yeah. the wrong medium. Yeah. You know, that, re- that works really well in a, in a season of a TV show. It doesn't really work all that well over a decade and a half of movie, movie making. 
Yeah. Which is why I think maybe you and I both really like Rogue One is because it did its own thing. Yeah, it was something new. It was fresh. It was creative. It, yeah, very much so. But it worked within an, uh, a saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Is there going to be one more in this trilogy? Is that right? Well, that's see, that's the thing that I don't know. You know, they speak of it as a trilogy, but they also are saying that they're going to keep making movies. Mm-hmm. And with Disney, they've got unlimited money to do that. And people are going to go oh, see man. it so they can they can keep making money off of this franchise. Yeah, no, it's... It's good, but I also I also worry just because these movies need to have a chance to breathe over a long period of time. Like, yeah. get, get, the fatigue question from Marvel is very applicable here to Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, look at look at like Firefly. It has such a huge cult following, and that was only one season and a movie. It was twelve episodes, bro. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of really good things to be said for a short run that leaves you wanting. You're gonna keep thinking about it, but I don't have to mm-hmm. keep thinking about Star Wars because I just We'll wait for the next one. Exactly. No, that's a good objection. I, I do like that. Why? So is is money making the is that is that the animal here that is influencing all of this creativity being stopped? Like there's there's no creativity because we don't need to be creative because we're you know gonna make money off of whatever we do. Is that what's going on? I don't know. I don't know that I'm willing to just say that. You know, because there are a lot of people that want to. That I really believe want to genuinely make a good movie that they want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but they've also got this big corporation looming over their head. Look, like look at the look at what happened to Zack Snyder. Like how many times he was for for Batman versus Superman. Like the Ultimate Edition was so much better than what was released. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they do they do have to work within the corporation, and that's unfortunate. Right. And that's why I've been thinking a lot with like the Justice League movie and everything in the DC movie making world. I feel like a lot of the problems come in when Time Warner takes the movie and chops it up, you know, yeah. for post-production. Yep. So, general thoughts? You want to give a thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, you know, that's difficult. I, I like some of the things that you said, looking at it in terms of failure, how pride leads to failure, but also can there can be room for conversion. Well, think about what Yoda said, man. Yoda said that, the, that you have to pass on your failures as well to your people. Yeah. Oh, I do want to say I really love the fact that he called down that force lightning on the tree. That was pretty cool. But I, you know, I wonder if he knew that the books had already been taken. Oh, probably. So it's like it's yeah. an empty shell that no longer contains the books. But I would have yeah. loved for him to yeah. burn those books too. Why? Because it's not about it's not about that. And I'm contradicting what I said earlier. It's not about it's kind of what Luke said. It's not the books are inconsequential. It's how you're going to act and how you're going to become something greater. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They'll give and you it's a living tradition. Yeah. Right. It's a it's a living tradition. It's not it's not a dead religion. Yeah. So what do you think? I give it mostly a thumbs up. You know, it's it's I have to be careful because the more I think about it, the more I'm picking it apart and starting to dislike things. I think I think we can have a whole nother conversation on the way it presents religion. And the more I think about that yeah. in that regard, I, I like it less. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I, it's certainly better than Force Awakens. There's no comparison with Rogue One. Hmm. Um, yeah, so mostly thumbs up, I guess. What about you? Um, I would say Rogue One still my favorite. This one is, I would say, my second favorite of all the Star Wars movies. Hmm. I wow. think, I think the, yeah. Well, keep in mind also my history with the original trilogy. Yeah, like I, I don't yeah. have a lot of yeah. deep-seated affection for the original trilogy. Sentimental. The, yeah, yeah. I think this is a close second to Rogue One. I think the the presence of sacrifice, the redemption through failure, all of that, the the presence of conversion, I'm willing to grant 
a, a lot of the idiosyncrasies or political accretions onto the movie from the production side. Yeah. Uh, and let and let that be just because you told a good story with good conversion with all your characters with real sacrifice um, with redemption and failure seen as a means of redemption. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's a really good Christian lesson. You know, it was a fun movie too, and I don't know. I I gave it two thumbs up. Nice. Yeah, and it, I think it's renewed some of my hope in the in the franchise because I worry that this movie was going to be a movie where they went gray on everything and then treated Luke Skywalker as a as a, a Sith Lord. And <laughs> if they had gone in that direction, I would have left the, yeah. the franchise. Yeah, I agree. I'm really and I really hesitate against this whole fascination with the gray Jedi. I don't understand it. Yeah, no. And I think they could have easily gone in that direction, and I'm glad that they, they did not. Yeah, there is no good, there is no evil. Come on, give me a break. 